here's the racism is spoon, is spoon fed to you. It's not like what you see in movies. It's not really shoved in your, your, your down your throat. It's slowly fed to you. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us an email and we'll get back to you. Today, we're going to be getting a very unique perspective from a man who was raised to be racist. And he's here to talk about how his upbringing, uh, how racist and homophobic values were forced on him as a child, and uh, how it ultimately impacts him today. So we've got the guests on the line. Thank you so much for being on today. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, no, we're, we're really interested in having this conversation. And to start, can you just paint a picture of your upbringing for us? So just the environment, um, number of family members, and I mean, if you're willing, even um, sort of the location so that we can kind of get an understanding. Okay, um, I'll give my birthplace away because I was only there for a short time. Um, I was born in Columbus, Georgia, and... And there, um, a lot of this wasn't really forming yet. So, I mean, also, I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, I had a lot of trauma at a very young age. So, honestly, memory block. So, I remember being age mm, six, seven and up. Like, anything younger, I kind of just have flashes of memory. But uh, it was – it started very young. Um, my uh, – like, I don't remember, but my father would – beat me and my sibling with a leather belt and a buckle because of like, you know, soiling a diaper and like, like whipping us with it. Make me stand in the corner for hours on end till my feet swole. Um, you know, my sister went through her own trials and tribulations uh, and, you know, just a lot of negative poisonous, you know, just animosity among growing up. Uh, so not traditional happy childhood uh, from the get go. Um, the uh, the ra- the part where race racial stuff started coming into play was, I'd say about six seven when I would just hear them say slurs and then I'd repeat them because I didn't understand what they were and I was told, oh, don't say that in public, don't say this, don't. And I was like, oh, it's just a bad word. It's just like any other obscenity. It, it's it's just a bad word. And I didn't understand the difference between and the uh, you know like a, a regular curse word and a slur and like a racial you know kind of you know point. Like I, I didn't you know I'm I'm a child. And these are your parents um, that that you're hearing just it, saying this around the house. My, I was uh, now I was only with my father for maybe a year uh, with with uh, shared custody, but the abuse is how we we got separated. Um, but she had a uh, my mother married a uh, another man in Columbus where I was born, and then we moved to a small rural town. Like we're talking like four thousand people in the main town. 600 people in another town connected 300 people like you know caught like two red lights in a grocery store like that kind of town okay so that's where a lot of it came out because columbus was very diverse and um like not super i mean this is early 2000s so when we moved to this small town uh this like an hour from columbus i'll even say the name of it it's dawson georgia um we lived in different areas around so like 
outskirts of town, in the town, you know, a, t- a town connecting like, you know, 10 minutes away. And this is like small farm, Farmerville kind of, you know, raise hell, praise Dale kind of community. So the thought process and the way of thinking of different cultures was not very, uh, it wasn't very good. So how, how, um, so, I mean, you're saying like you were raised sort of like, and there was a lot of like, uh, racism and homophobia, like, you know, at what age did that become very like noticeable and what, why did you, why do you feel that way? Like looking back, like what were some examples of, of things? So the, so it started more or less with the racial. Um, so it started with like, we would watch a movie and if it had like a, a black lead, like a, a, a black actor who was the lead, they would change it. And I'd be like, why I was watching that. Well, we don't watch. And they say a slur. We don't watch them on the TV. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, I, I, I guess we don't do that. Or if it was anything other than white, uh, or if I were to watch movies or TV that had more of a different, diverse uh, lead group of actors, actresses, or any kind of positive outlook on anything besides white culture, it was frowned upon. I was made fun of for it. I was told I was a slur lover, like that kind of thing. And we're talking, I'm not even a teenager yet. Jeez. Yeah, you're like, you said you were around 8 to 10 or something? Yeah, th- this is uh, so. This is a pattern. So it started about eight. Like I noticed it at eight, and then from ten, it kind of escalated because that's about the time we moved out of Columbus into this smaller town. Because mm-hmm. we had visited years prior, and 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 I got it, so here's the, racism is spoon, is spoon fed to you. It's not like what you see in movies. It's not really shoved in your your, your down your throat. It's slowly fed to you. But some bites are bigger than others. Sometimes you do get a, a big bite and you're like, oh, this is a lot to chew on. And you have a choice to spit it out or swallow it. And me, I was always half and half because I, you know, wanted to trust my parents or parent at the time. So I thought, oh, they know best. They're the ones raising me, you know, like that. I, I was a very logical child to a degree, but also very ignorant. But that was because I was being raised in ignorance. Mm-hmm. Was there any black people in your town? Uh, that Here's what's funny. The majority were black. So how was your your parent or your guardians like uh, interactions with black people when you'd be at like the supermarket or anything like Um, that? Well, my mother is a narcissistic, two-faced, backstabbing liar. I'll be honest. Like to put it, that's the sweetest way I can put it. Um, And... So she'd be friendly and then she would even have people. She would, she's like, oh, she, they're one of the good ones. Like that's a big phrase. I know everyone's heard at least once. Oh, she's one of the, or they're one of the good ones. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, and, she, and that, that, and it was, it, it's such a hard thing to even explain, even though I was raised in it, that the ignorance is so bliss and it's alive. It's like, when you watch it, you're like, this is a prank, right? Like, like this isn't real, and they're like, "No, this is this is happening right now." Do you remember it's, at that age any confusion, or could you try to you know walk us through um, what you were feeling? Because I think that's such a great analogy that you said of being spoon fed and sort of you know indoctrined into this way of thinking. But then, yeah, you go out of the house and you see black people at the supermarket. I would imagine it's 
confusing as you're trying to wrap your mind around, you know, what this all means and, and how the world works in the perspective that, you know, you're, you're starting to gain. So the reality I built, and I say I built because like we all have to build our own perception of what we're raised in. And my perception is, oh, when we're out in public, it's everybody can be friendly. Like to me, I thought everyone was like this. I thought black people were like this, Mexican people. I really thought we all went out in society and we all played along and we got along. But when we got home, that's when, you know, you would say the slurs or feel like animosity or like, oh, I don't want him over the house. I thought that was just normal. I thought everybody did that. And what happened to break that cycle is that I went to the public school. So this town is so racist that they have a public and a private school and a majority of the white kids are sent to the private school. Be, you know, like they used to have a huge high school next to the uh, now police station and it got burned down years ago. But it was like where everybody went, everybody, you know, white, black. But then they built the private school and all the racist, bigoted white people pulled all their kids out of that school, sent them to the private school. And then they opened up this new public school that I went to. Mm -hmm. So I went there. I mean, we grew up poor. Like be, we I think we were making an average of 30 grand a year, if that like. <laughs> like poor broke right. and I went to this public school and I you know didn't have like name brand stuff so like that was and that was a big thing with the school I mean everybody there like loved to dress nice I learned from them how to dress nice on a budget and it was weird because I really had love and compassion and even protectiveness over my black friends but then when I got home like it started bugging me I'm like why is it when I come here that they say these things and then want me to say them or like, are okay. But when I'm there, they make sure, oh, don't say this while you're at school. But then part of me is like, why? Yeah. Like, I really didn't understand. And one day I pulled one of my friends aside and I said, I'm about to say something and I need you to tell me what's wrong with it. And I said a bunch of slurs and he's, and he grabbed me. He's like, do, do never say that again. And I said, tell me why he's like, and he explained it like that's racial slur. I'm like, well, I know that, but like, how bad is it? He's like, you will get jumped if you say that to anyone besides me. And I told him, well, my mom said, he's like, your mom? I said, yeah. yeah. Like I had to basically, and he realized what was happening. And slowly they kind of really, it, 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 he kind of went on an, an, his own adventure with me to kind of make sure that, hey, um, me and you can have like a certain sense of humor, but like, that is wrong. Like that's a very wrong way of thinking. I talked to teachers about it, but I kind of tiptoed around. It was my parent. Cause I realized that that wasn't a good look, you know, like, cause yeah. you, even when you're, even when your parents a terrible person at a young age, you still want to be protective because you don't, you can't see that yet. Like the veil hasn't been lifted. Yeah. You're just so young and impressionable too. I mean, they're your, I mean, that's how you survive. It's, it's your parent. Also, you said that they wanted you to say slurs. Like, were they, is that a thing? Like, they just like, they were like, say it. Well, they, they were okay with it. Um, so my mother wasn't really impressionable. So she didn't, it was, it's not like, oh, hey, say it, say it. No, no. What would happen is she, or, so the second husband, by the way, by this time, because uh, I'm probably 13 at this point, he's out of our lives. Like this dude was super abusive. He pulled a knife on us one day and it was a bad situation. And yeah. So, uh, and, and my sister was, I think 13, I was 12, but then a year later, cause I went a year without school. 
like mm-hmm. I skipped a, a year where I didn't go to school because of whatever. I don't I don't know. Drama. <laughs> um so I ended up going into the se- the seventh grade at this school. So I started there and that was my class. And I stuck with that class all the way through gra- all the way till graduation. And during those years, I learned, you know, lessons of different cultures of, you know, their community, their held their religious views. And I would, you know, I would just tell them, Hey, I'm very confused. And they're like, about what? And I tell them, and they're like, where are you getting this? I'm like, I just heard it on TV. And they're like, Oh, um, and then they'd explain why it was wrong or why it was bad or why you should never repeat that. So they were very patient with me. Not everybody was, but the friends I had were very patient and like realized, okay, something's up. Did you ever go home and try to have like a conversation yep. with, you, with your mother? And how, how was she kind of receptive to that? She was basically like, oh, I guess I'm just the worst person ever. And, you know, guilt tripping, guilt tripping, guilt tripping. Like that's the easy way to put it. Just made me feel bad for wanting to know why are you like this or why are you okay with this? So it's interesting that you're sort of getting these two contradicting perspectives at once, but which do you think at that young age had the bigger impact? Like, did you start sort of agreeing Uh, with your mother and what your family was teaching you? Um, no, because my sister, I knew she was like the, the gifted child, you know, straight A's all through high school. You know, she was the smart one. And I just, and I had enough common sense to know she's smart. So she knows. And I kind of watched how she reacted to people. And I kind of just leaned towards her. And I remember like for a while, I was like, I would ask her, I was like, Hey, is it okay for me to think this way? And she'd be like, yay or nay. She's like, what? What? No, no, absolutely not. She's like, that's mom. You know, that's her bullshit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then like, I take that, learn from it, you know, digest it. And then I, replay it i'm like yeah that is a bad way to think like and but it was but it just as it was put in me it was spoon fed out of me Mm -hmm. so it was like a little bit so were there moments where i was a very terrible person saying terrible things oh yeah of course like i have said everything under the sun at least one point in my life um but we're talking i was a child you know young teenager stupid and impressionable and i'll be honest mentally lacking because i was enabled to not try my hardest by my mother she's like oh basically it was if you can just pass the class that's good enough but she expected all the world out of my sister Mm -hmm. kind of that so it, it was so many different ways of neglect abuse happening at once but this is the one that molded me into the to the really concrete person I am today because I applied the logic of I shouldn't be thinking this way or saying these things and I just kind of apply that to everyday things even now and you know like obviously I've got over the point where I know what's wrong and what's right when it comes to judging people by appearance or sexuality or anything Uh, so that kind of that's kind of like like my mantra every day. Like, is this wrong? Is this ethical? Is it okay? And if it's not, it's like, well, then I need to figure out why. Were there people like in your life, I guess at school or some of your friends in the neighborhood or anything like that? I know you talked about the, you know, all the uh, racist sort of white kids went to that one private school. Like, was that like prevalent? There was a lot of people in that town. Was it racially divided, you would say? Um, I would say so because like here, here's what's crazy is that I would see the people from my school, parents, teachers, 
uh, city workers, friends, and the grocery stores. But a lot of the times, the white people would go to to a neighboring city that was much larger in comparison. It it had like a few hundred thousand people and like a mall and like superstores. They go there to shop. So they didn't shop in town a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's literally like they would, and this is a 30 minute drive. So they would kind of go out of their way to just not shop in that town. Right. So you mentioned when you're young, it's obviously, you know, you still want to protect your parents or it's hard to push against them and their beliefs. But at a certain point, I'm going to assume based on the not very kind words you had about your mother earlier, like, was there a point yeah. where you sort of, stood up to her or made it clear that you don't agree with her way of thinking and, and what she was trying to teach you and how did that go? So, so he, um, now if a fo- so if something I'm going to follow up with is that this all, I, all right. So me, I'm one of these people I'm learning and I'm, I am because of my wonderful fiance and my sister and like the positive people in my life, I used to be a, a, a ticker, and basically it means I was a time bomb, which is when I was struggling with something, when I was, you know, angry, I didn't let it out a little bit at a time. I would just let it build and build and build until I exploded. So everything kind of came out in a huge argument. Uh, it can, and it, it, so the, the biggest argument we had, it was at 16 years old. We were still in this smaller town. So Dawson is connected by highway to a town called Sasser, Georgia. I was in Sasser. So Sasser is like 600 people. So there was a big fight one night. I can't, I can't remember what it was over, but I remember swearing and screaming at my mother in the street. And she said, it's those fucking people you're hanging around. And I just let loose. I told her that she was a bigot. She was a small brain, uh, no good. And I followed up with a bunch of un- unkind words and i said i love these people that they're, they're more fan they they make sure that i have more food than you ever have you know that they, they have my back when i'm in trouble at school when i need help studying they don't tell me oh i can only do this they encourage me to do more i said and they and they're not a drop of blood to me and you don't care about me all you care about is what i can do for you and she just sat there mouth hanging open and that's when she knew that like she couldn't imp- imp- impression on me and this goes not only for races, uh, ideologies, this was for the homophobia, this was for the, I mean, honestly, anti-Semitism, like, attitude that she had, like, this was for everything. This, I, this was a 10-minute me red in the face screaming, in like, just screaming at the top of my lungs till like, my throat hurt. Other People's Lives is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holidays are upon us. It is gift-giving season. Maybe some of you exchange gifts with your families for the holidays. Uh, it's, it's very much about deciding what to give to other people. But don't forget that you can also give to yourself during this time. For example, that could be starting therapy. Therapy is a great gift to give to yourself to just help you better navigate some of these tough moments, especially at the end of the year. We get very reflective. There's a lot of new beginnings coming up. A lot of us want to make resolutions and changes, and therapy is a great way to truly make a change in your life. As we give our love and our time to other people in our lives, it's just important to remember that we deserve that for ourselves too, and it's okay to give yourself a break, give yourself a rest, and show yourself some love during this season. I have personally benefited from therapy. I continue to go to therapy. It's something that has allowed me to 
really understand how to set boundaries in my life with certain people. That was something really important uh, that I navigated this year through therapy. It's helped me further relationships with people in my life. These are all topics and things that I've kind of dissected and discussed in therapy. And I feel like I've been able to make a lot of big changes. And I, I truly do thank therapy for that. And if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, definitely recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp is entirely online, so it's super flexible. It's convenient to your schedule. You don't have to show up in person. There's no waiting rooms, no commute. It's really easy. You simply fill out their questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And the beauty is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. We understand that's important to sometimes find that right person that you can really speak with and they make that easy so that you can uh, just test different people, have conversations with different people and uh, see which therapist is really the fit for you potentially long-term. In this season of giving, don't forget to give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash OPL today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash OPL, and you will get 10% off your first month. The holidays are approaching. The new year is approaching. A lot of us go into the new year and think about some of the changes that we can make. But here's something you're probably not thinking about that you should be, and that is the quality of the air that you are breathing. Wouldn't it be nice if that's something that you can improve going into the new year? Put it this way, Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. And according to the EPA, Indoor air can be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. In some cases, it can be 100 times more polluted. So that's scary to think about that you are not getting the best quality air that you could be breathing where you're spending most of your time. I know that terrified me when I found out. But there is a solution, and that solution is Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens so that your lungs don't have to. And check this out, they use an ultra HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses. This air purifier has captured the attention of CNN, Money, ABC, and more outlets. They're crazy for this because it works. And something I love about it, not just the fact that I know it's purifying my air and I feel much better about literally breathing in my own apartment every day, but it's super quiet. I was scared that it might be loud, but it's extremely quiet, which is amazing. So you don't even know it's there. And Air Doctor comes with a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code OPL. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 40% off. So you're saving up to 40% off. Lock in the special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code OPL. That's A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code OPL. Yeah, and would you it, would you say that like this is probably how like racism kind of begins uh, in people is it because so, of like the way that the parents kind of like go about raising their children? So so yes, it's not all only about the parent; it's about who the parents allow around. So now I, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. 
Um, so we have an uncle. I don't even talk to him anymore for other reasons, but he lives in this like literal plot of land off of this highway. And if you don't know he's back there, you will, you won't see him. Like he's, is that back in the woods? So we were with him when I was younger, I'd say this was a visit. So I was like seven, eight, this wasn't when I moved, this was just a visit we were doing. And this guy who was rooming with him was like, hey, does anybody want to come to the store with me? And I'm like, I will. So, you know, I had a little allowance or whatever. So I got in the truck and we're driving all the way to town. We, we haven't said a word and we come to a stoplight right in the town. And there's a there's a black gentleman that I, I still know who he is to this day, but I'm not going to say his name. He uh, he walks across the street and he's like, just look at that fucking and a slur. And I and I had just watched the movie Green Mile. And it had a huge impact on me. And I said, hey, like, you shouldn't say that. And he, and this is the thing, this is a grown man to a seven-year-old child. He get he gets like in my face and goes, so is he the one driving your ass around? Is he doing this for you? He's like, don't you tell me what to say in my fucking truck. Like that, like to a to a child. He has his fist balled up like he's gonna hit me. Like that's that's a big spoonful, but it didn't happen every day. This was just a moment that just happened. Mm-hmm. And, and then that kind of like, and then in your head as a child, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy doesn't drive me around. So it, you know, cause you're a dumb kid, but it's a bad way of thinking because no one corrected it. Like I, I went and told my mom and she's like, well, yeah, you shouldn't say anything to people when they're doing you a favor instead of being like, wait, he did what? You know, like he yeah. said, what? Like in, in correcting it, it was like she kind of was like, "Yeah, serves you right. You shouldn't have said anything." Like that kind of attitude. Yeah, it probably like was a little confusing because as a kid, you're kind of like, "Oh, what what what, yeah, what happened was what happened was it was like we're not even talking about race right now. It was just the fact that I tried to tell him something while he's doing me a favor. So it's like the racism part is completely out of that conversation. It's like, oh, that's the thing that was wrong, not the other thing. And it's almost like a deflection. It's like gaslighting, it feels like almost, because the fact you're mature enough to bring up like, hey, I don't think it's right to say that, and then just get... Yeah, completely different lesson shoved down. Yeah, like, be nice to me. I'm driving you around. It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And that, yeah, that's how they feed it to you. Now, obviously, the racism sticks with you because they make it up. Now, they make it about race. So they're like, do you see they're black, you know, whatever behinds doing this for you? And they, it's a way of taking it away from what the topic is, which is race. And then circle, and then it comes full circle back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's a it's a weird mental game. Racism is a game of very demented chess. Some people think it's checkers. Racism is a it is it's you you are not born racist. Anyone knows that. But when people say you're raised racist, you're indoctrinated. So it even goes as far as the church. Like we would have church and there'd be like one black person, but they would kind of like, oh, well, we don't like it. Talk to them as much. I would, I'd be like, oh, hey, how you doing, miss whoever, you know? And, and, and everybody is, you know, they, they didn't like look, but they'd be like, like I sit down and I notice like, why didn't anyone else go say hello to this lady? Like me and one other person did, but like everyone else is turning to each other and like being friendly. It's like, she has people right beside her. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on? And I had to like get out of the pew, walk like two aisles over to just greet her. Cause like, she's sitting there like, and she looks kind of sad. I'm like, I'll go shake her hand. Like what's wrong with y'all? Mm-hmm. So yeah. even in a, even in a place of like, Oh, this is worship and we're all one. 
blah, blah. It, the churches were not like legally segregated, but they were segregated to say the least. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, j- I just keep thinking about the confusion that must exist at that time because this is, oh yeah, like these are when you're forming, beginning to form core memories and like this is the, a part of your childhood you can remember. Like this is where your worldview begins to develop and to be constantly fed this, I think ultimately makes it even more amazing that we're speaking to you today. But um, what happened after that kind of blow up with your mom and was that sort of a catalyst where you began to separate yourself from her like i don't know the community i don't know if you're still there or you know what what changes took place well i started interacting more with uh kids I went to school with, like instead of being in my room and like interacting with just my family or like people I've met online, I actually would go and walk the neighborhood and be like, Hey, what are you, Oh, we're playing football. Do you want to play football? I'm like, yeah. Or do you want to play basketball? Or, and like, they were welcoming. And I was like, this is nothing like what I was taught. I was always taught they were selfish, that they were like, uh, they, this is a really screwed up term. And I don't even know if you want me to say it, but the way that they talked about them, they referred to a lot of the black people in my town as welfare warriors mm-hmm. like that. Like, and it's, it doesn't seem that bad till you realize, Oh, it's that bad. It's like, cause it, it's not technically a slur, but it, it's really on the cusp. It's definitely negative to say the least. Right. But you just like, so from your experiences, like you kind of had the awareness to be like, all right, in here, my family is saying all these negative things about black people. But when I'm actually out interacting, um, like these are just people like, and they're nice to me and yeah. they're like, my family well, is the well, yeah, one who's being wrong. And, and, well, and, and, and uh, well, sorry, it's not to do this too much, but uh, to backtrack even further, when I lived in the projects, when I was six, I got jumped by two black guys and a Mexican kid. And not once did I think anything negative about the race. I was just like, these kids are mean to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I mean, they, they were like six and seven. So there was no, it was just like, I got beat up. I, sh- I, you know, I dusted myself off. I cried and I dealt with it, you know, and I moved on. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like it's three on one with a six year old. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, not very fun, but, but like I just, I didn't coordinate that with anything racial. I just thought these kids are mean, not this slur is mean or this negative uh, view of this person's like culture is mean. It was these particular children are just mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which but is to, the beauty of yeah. how children think, you know, before you can sort of be corrupted, which it seems like your family was intentionally trying to do. Um, but ultimately you, I guess, sort of fact check what your family's teaching you in the real world, yeah. realizing, well, this doesn't make sense because it's not happening the way that they're telling me it should be. Um, do yeah. you remember any feelings that came with that? Uh, like, was anger a part of this or did you have any strong reactions to, you know, realizing... It's, it wasn't true what your family was saying? So it was anger because I knew what was right. I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't articulate it like I can today. I couldn't say this is why this is wrong. You know, you shouldn't say it. Like to me, I just knew it was wrong. It's kind of like 
you're a kid, you know, hitting somebody in the head is wrong. Like, like you don't know what, what, why, like, Hey, there's consequences and there's injury to you. It's just a mean thing to do. You know, it's mean and you don't really want to do it until someone makes you mad. But when you're a child, when you hit somebody, nothing really happens. You make someone cry or you upset somebody. And then that's the end of it. But when you get older, those punches become heavier and they become more dangerous, just like the words you use, the the way you look at people, the way you think of people. That's the way I've always looked at it, which is, you know, like when I, like I said, when I was a kid, I was very impressionable, but I always questioned everything. I was like, why are we thinking like this? Why do you think like that? Why are you saying that? When when I knew somewhere in, in the vicinity, I was like, that doesn't seem like a nice thing to say. Right. And I mean you know, what, what would you kind of say to people? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this country that like grew up the same way that you did. And it sounds like you had your sister to kind of be like a beacon of, yeah, you know, like a, like a, like a role model in a way you like looked up to her because she was yeah. so smart and everything. And you're like, okay. And, and because she felt that way, it was like, okay, you're sort of validated. And like, why do I feel weird about this? Like, you know, I go to school and these people are my friends and my mother's saying that like, they're the worst people in the world, but my sister is actually uh, like actually validating like my confusion. So I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my sister was, would like, all right, understand that. All right. So to give you an idea, I'm five, nine and I'm like two forty. So built kind of like a shit brick house. Um, to, to, all right, so my, my sister's five, six and she's probably like 200 pounds and it's always been kind of like we've been kind of even in weight and she would literally slap the shit out of me and be like what did what'd you say and i and i'd say i said this and she would then say let me tell you why you should never say that and why it's wrong if like if i was really out of line not every little thing but like if i said something really controversial she would literally smack me in my ears would ring mm-hmm but like, you know, and, and and then she would apologize. Like she didn't just do it. She was like, I'm sorry, but like, don't ever do that. Cause she's like, it pissed me off beyond belief. And, you know, but she also had anger issues too. We, we don't do that anymore. I mean, we're roommates now, mm. you know? So like, and we don't fight, we don't argue, we don't bicker, none of that. Like we, we always are on like a good, good terms. So how did you get to where you are today where you're, able to uh, talk about this and sort of understand, you know, in hindsight, uh, how terrible it was, the things that you were being taught. So my sister was obviously a big influence, uh, but then moving to Colorado now, well, before moving to Colorado, I just, I had, so here's, what's crazy. I actually didn't get internet in home till like 2017, because we were that poor and I just happened to get a wreck settlement. So I was able to finally get internet in the house and like a little treat for myself, you know? So I finally had unlimited high speed internet so I could Google anything, anytime. Hmm. So if I heard something controversial, I would look it up. If I would listen to comedians who weren't just white and Southern, like I listened to Eddie Griffin, I would listen, but well, before he kind of did, kind of lose his mind for a little bit um or i listen to cat williams or i'd listen to um uh kevin hart and i'd listen to their perspective of the world and then i'd listen to documentaries and speeches of other you know different ethnicities like world leaders how they perceived america uh and white people and i was like but not, never once 
And unless they were extremists, which everyone does have extremists, but it's very rare in uh, other cultures, like white people have the most extremists I've ever seen. Like in person, like it, it sounds crazy, but like that is to me a, a cold, a cold stone fact. Um, but a lot of them, whenever they talked about how negatively they were impacted by like white people, they never talked down of them. They never called them slurs. They never said anything really negative. They said, here's what we have as fact. Here's how it affected these people. And here's why we're trying to fix it. And I'm like, that's a valid argument because it's not slander. It's not, it's not them being angry and bitter. It's fact. It's truth. And I opened my mind up to – so I changed my mindset from I learned one fact so I'm right, which is I learned a fact that is a fact today, but it may not be in fact tomorrow. Yeah, it's so – I'll constantly am allowing my brain to take in new information provided evidence. No, and that that's – cool to hear because it's sort of this like real-time understanding of you know your mind working where you are getting you know you're getting such an extreme side of the spectrum and then for you to kind of go out throughout your journey to then gather information for yourself and then just sort of have this filter through for you to kind of understand like well this is my truth like I'm not just going to take what I'm fed of how a type of person is or how the world works or this generalization. Uh, I'm going to gather as much information as I can. I'm going to question that and I'm going to, you know, find what I believe the truth to be. And that that's really cool to hear that process. Yeah. Yeah. The, and and the, the way that I would, the, the way I would phrase it is that I learned what it is, is that I changed my mindset from, I no longer listen to argue. I listen to learn and reciprocate. Right. Yeah. I think that's really important too. Uh, like in any, you know, conversation, not just about race, but you know, anything really is like, that's important, like an important mindset to have. And especially it, in an age of misinformation where it's so easy to get yeah. things that are not based in fact, and people just form their opinions and worldview based on, you know, a theory or something that they hear without going through that process, you know, or even just an unwillingness to hear any other side. Yeah. It's uh, like a lot of the times um, the, the way that I, the, the way I phrased it in high school and I remember one of my teachers loved it um, is I was like, being stupid is something that happens to you and being ignorant is a choice of something that is happening around you. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I understand where you're going with that. Um, but you, you you have to choose that, in my opinion. Yeah, of course, to to be ignorant and not try to educate yourself. Like a lot of people, you get to arguments with them, and they're just like they don't they're not interested in like the actual facts. They they kind of have their opinion already. And like you were saying before, you're someone's listening just to argue, not to like learn or try to gain any new perspective. Um, but yeah, I, I think this conversation is super important and we appreciate you taking the time and talking to us today because, I mean, obviously, you know, racism is like a big thing in, in the world and in this country, especially. And it's good. It's like it's interesting to hear the perspective of someone of, of like this is how it actually happens in these small towns where, you know, 
the people who were just raised a certain way and then they become like this and then they try to do it to their children and sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't. I think, you know, I'm optimistic that, you know, uh, we can get better at it and, and, you know, educate people with platforms like this and, and stories like yours. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and talking to us today. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any other uh, questions about uh, any other topic that may that we may have skipped over? No, I think it's it's going to be most helpful to kind of focus on that angle. I think uh, okay. that, that's the exact conversation you know that that we wanted to have. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. And um, is there? I will well, say just to add on. Um, you yeah. know, Before we wrap up, is there? Uh, any message that you want to leave with anyone listening? Um, you know, obviously we're, we're lucky to have a big audience for the show and I'm sure there are people listening who have maybe had similar childhoods as yours, or, you know, maybe that type of upbringing is still impacting them today, or it's something that they're struggling with and trying to figure out. So is there any message that you would want to leave? The, the big message that I would want to leave is that if somebody is, acting if sorry if somebody is behaving a certain way in darkness but and they will never show it to the light it's probably not worth uh manifesting it's not worth uh catering to and it's not worth indulging yourself into so if somebody is doing something wrong and they pretend they're doing something right just see how they see how they act when you try to shine light on their actions if they run away from it then it's wrong like that's a quick way to just filter it yeah, I mean, I think that's good advice. And again, man, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us today. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you guys reached out, and uh, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we wish you the best of luck with everything. Um, I know you did mention in your email you made a point to say I think your fiance is Hispanic, so your <laughs> yep. mom, your mom must I, well, be pissed. Well, so that's good. Well. It, 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 it don't, don't, I don't, I'm no contact, so it doesn't matter to me. And uh, we'll be getting married in 2025. Nice, man. Congratulations. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Have, Have a good, good one. one. All right. You, you guys too. Bye. All right. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like an interesting perspective because, I mean, this was like my guess, you know, like when people, well, actually, no, this is not exactly how I thought it was going to go, but I, I was like, obviously in this country, there are small, predominantly white towns and these people only talk to each other, you know? Sure. And like, that's how these fucking things happen. And the, and obviously, you know, like he said, no one's born fucking racist. Like, you did that to your child. Yeah, and this isn't like a generalization of like small towns or the South. Like, it's, I think the simple fact, even bigger than that, is just the ideologies of your parents and what, you of know, it's, it's, you don't pick your parents, you don't pick your family. And then to come into a situation like that where, you know, he used spoon fed, but it's like, think this way, think this way. We yeah. are going to continue to tell you this is how the world works. These are how people are. Like, here's the generalizations that should make up how you view the world. It's impressive that he 
got out of that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, like, I think you can attribute a lot of that to his sister. Like I said, I think if he didn't have that figure mm. where he can get his feelings validated of like confusion, then maybe as a child, you're more likely to just be like, well, I'm just going to go with my parents. I'm trying to make my parents happy. I'm trying to make my family happy. That's all you know. Kind of yeah. like fit in or whatever. So maybe that's kind of what happens. I mean, he did say that he lived in a predominantly uh, black neighborhood, I believe he said. So, I mean... That also, I think, is a contributing factor. If it had been predominantly white, sure. maybe that doesn't happen. It's it's really your environment creates who you are. And, I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously, it's just insane to be racist and, and just, like, it's just, like, an insane thing. Like, I, it makes zero fucking sense. And, like, I, I don't even, like, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And it just hurts to think, you know, so many children who, not even, like, a fault of their own, like, can't shake that mindset or, or you yeah. know, his ability to question. And like you said, the environment to be able to walk outside being a predominantly black neighborhood so he can see and interact with the people his parents are talking about and like see, see the formula. Wrong, like yeah. this isn't adding up. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking to hear like you, your worldview could just be determined for you too, yeah. and determined for you. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, Wow. It's interesting though. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, just like we told them before we started recording, like didn't, I don't know, like just one of those emails you don't think you're going to get or a conversation you're going to have. Cause, um, I think, you know, one, his willingness to share that and, mm -hmm. you know, sort of condemn his family and his upbringing is hard to do. And, um, again, how many people in his position don't get to the point where, where he is, where he's now able to kind of think for himself and um, be able to look back at his upbringing and say, this is wrong and here's the lessons from it and be able to share that wisdom with others. Yeah. And obviously all this should be fucking obvious anyway, but this is the world that we live in, I guess. But for anyone out there uh, that would like to be a guest on our show, hit us up. Our email is oplpodcast.gmail.com. Just send us an email and we'll get back to you. Yeah, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at OPL Podcast. You can support the show at patreon.com slash OPL show. And that is all. See you guys next time. <laughs>